It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Take a look at the five From cow to barbecue rice studios in Hernando, Mississippi Rooster Production brings you Under the Water Tower Presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group And now, here are your hosts Matt Crane and Derek Biglane Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. This is uh, Tuesday. It is the third Tuesday, which means we will be getting to the uh, Alderman here, meeting here uh, shortly, uh, previewing that. But, Matt, kind of a busy weekend this weekend. Both of us have words from our weekend that have something to do with it, just how busy things were in our lives and around the city of Fernando. Just an awesome, awesome weekend uh, uh, on a number of different levels, <laughs> for sure. I know most people that are going to be listening to our show are going to agree with that and experience a lot of the same stuff. Just a beautiful morning here at the How to Barbecue Right shop. Uh, you know, it wasn't too cold as we made our way in this morning, and I hope everybody uh, hears our voice right around the time of traffic. So we really appreciate you tuning into the UTW podcast. But before we get started about our words from the weekend, which again, have a lot to do with uh, our time this weekend, wonderful, wonderful situation in Hernando, fun time being around a great small town atmosphere. And if you're chasing the small town dream, if you're looking to buy or sell real estate in DeSoto County, maybe in Hernando right here under the water tower, you need to reach out to our 2021 presenting sponsor, the number one real estate team in DeSoto County. I'm speaking about Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. They possess over 65 years of combined real estate experience. They are full-time, full-service realtors, which means they are available anytime you need them. They're currently offering a free, no-obligation marketing analysis. They can help you learn more about the neighborhoods that you may be living in now. They can help you learn more about the neighborhoods you would like to move into. Nobody is going to have more analytics and better information when it comes to buying and selling residential real estate than Brian and Terry and their team over at Team Couch or Birch Realty Group. Give them a call at 662-449-1700. That's 662-449-1700. Call Brian's cell phone, 901-461-7653. That's 461-SOLD, S-O-L-D. As most of you know, it is a great time to list your house. It is a great time to get in the DeSoto County market when it comes to real estate. And nobody better to talk to than Brian Couch and Terry Thomas with Team Couch, a Birch Realty Group, our 2021 presenting sponsor. I want to continue to thank our 2021 studio sponsor, the How to Barbecue Right Shop. How to Barbecue Right Shop is located right here, right off Memphis Street at 496 Whitfield Drive. This store has everything a person needs for barbecue, crawfish, and all other kinds of outdoor cooking. Whether it's rubs, sauces, thermometers, cast iron, cutting boards, knives, or a really cool high-end smoker, Malcolm's Shop is your place. Excited to announce, Derek, that the uh, the big man, and I'm not talking about Malcolm. I think Malcolm would probably agree he's a big, big fella, but the big man's coming from the North Pole on Saturday, December 4th at the How to Barbecue Right Shop. From 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on December 4th, which happens to be a UTW podcast uh, co-host that, birthday. That is a birthday. That is a birthday. I will birthday say it's here. not yours. Not, but, not my birthday. Okay, so we not won't talk birthday. about whose it is, but I will say it's not yours. This is a completely free event. does not cost a dime. You'll take home a digital picture of the kids with Santa, and they will have hot cocoa, cookies, and so much more. So if you've never been to the How to Barbecue Right shop, make Saturday, December 4th, between 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. a perfect time to swing by and learn more about the How to Barbecue Right shop. Find more information on Facebook, H2Q, Malcolm 
shop, call them at 912-9947. Visit their website, howtobbqright.com. But the best thing to do is to visit the How to Barbecue Right shop located at 496 Whitfield Drive right here under the water tower. As you mentioned, Derek, it is our third Tuesday show, which will always include a preview of tonight's Alderman meeting, which we'll speak of in just a moment. But let's talk about our words from the weekend. Derek, you have a word from the weekend. The last three weeks, you've had some words that I had to Google and make sure I could spell them. But this one, very easy. What you got? Actually, a little slang. So go ahead. It is a little slang. Matt, my word for the weekend is living. L-I-V-I-N. Let me tell you this. The older you do get, the more rules you're going to try to get you to follow. (laughs) You just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. So the clip you just heard was from the movie Dazed and Confused, obviously. But why is living, L-I-V-I-N, not living, L-I-V-I-N, your word for the weekend? Well, man, it's just from the experience we had. You know, I'm, you, you know me. I'm nicely called thrifty. Um, I don't like to – man, I do like to have a good time. I do like to uh, – in what I'm doing, but a lot of times to put a lot on my plate, you know, I like to experience things in ones and twos, not – you know, threes and fours, uh, trying to put things back to back to back. But this weekend, it just lined up where I was able to experience several wonderful things, uh, getting ready not only for the holiday season, but just being able to do different things. And it started Friday night uh, when I was able to help work the ice skating rink, which was a seemed like it'd be an enormous success for the city. A great thing that the uh, city brought in, that Gia brought in uh, for um, the uh, Dickens of a Christmas. And so I helped work it Friday night. I was there for the first two hours it was open. Right. You were part of the crew of Fernando manning the ice skating uh, rink hopefully will be an annual event the ice skating rink right there off uh, on Panola Street I heard it was a really good time it was a really good time and I worked the first two hours Matt in that two hours I believe with the money collected um, I think it was $10 a a skater with the money collected we had right about 90 kids uh, in that first two hours Uh, and again it carried on from 6 to 8 after that and then it was all day Friday from 9 to 6-ish so I would say that several hundred kids were able to skate maybe some skated more than once and uh, so that was a wonderful thing first time in Hernando to have the ice skating rink while the Christmas tree lighting happened at the same time I missed it by about five minutes but was able to see the tree on my way out uh, going home and just they were selling cocoa and coffee and just a a wonderful atmosphere and so I know it carried into the weekend I'm sure you'll mention that because you were actually in town Uh, because Saturday um, I left early Saturday morning going down to Oxford for college game day able to drop my kids off at the Grove while they went and enjoyed college game day had the signs dressed up for it did the whole thing I was able to go to the square. Uh, Lisa and I went to the square, and we just kind of shopped. We ate, you know, did all that while they were doing it. We then came that afternoon to the Grove. Uh, first time really setting up for four or five hours before a game this year. Actually, I guess in two or three years because of COVID last year, uh, being able to do that for a longer extended time on a, a beautiful day. It was it was cold, but it was beautiful. Into a game that night that was absolutely amazing. Uh, being able just to that atmosphere, experiencing it, and uh, and just kind of living it up then, and then. On Sunday morning, again, leaving very early Sunday morning, my son and I went to the Saints-Titans game in Nashville. Uh, was able to – that was a noon game, did that. And we had kind of planned on doing it, uh, an up-and-back trip, decided to stay with my brother overnight, uh, was able to play with my nephews that night. Again, just several different items over the two-and-a-half-day time period. I'm not able to recover as, as fast as I used to be. Now, again, there was not any kind of – you know, uh, excessive libations involved. It was more just absolute exhaustion uh, from traveling here and there. Uh, but uh, could not have been happier when I woke up uh, early Monday morning to come back to be able to go to work. But it was a wonderful weekend just to live it up. And that's why my word for the weekend is a living. So I'll be right here on the air. And I know a lot of our friends listen to the UTW podcast and they may be screaming at the radio with me. Derek, I'd like for you to do more weekends like that. 
Okay, I'd like to. I'd like for you to take a little bit more Wooderson. Okay, a little bit more Wooderson in your life than the coach who wanted them to sign the paper. Okay? Except, except for the uh, going after the high school girls over and over and over again. That's a different show. That's a, that's a different show. <laughs> that's the UTW podcast primetime, which that never quite makes the air. Because but, I'm definitely uh, getting older. Oh, you're getting uh, older yeah, every day, my friend. Older. But that's what I'm saying. You need to start living a little bit. And, and you know, we have kids the same age. Um, you know, we have talked about making that trip together up to Nashville. You and I have been to friends for, you know, over 20 years. But I, I definitely off air, uh, listeners, I definitely encourage him to do more weekends, more fun stuff like this because, you know, time's a ticking. It so is. like you said, L-I-V-I-N, uh, you know, and I want to encourage you to do more of that yeah for sure get busy living or get busy dying well mine's going to be a simple word again my words the last four or five weeks have been very easy to spell this one is the same electric electric is going to be not not the dance man i, I almost sound, I almost sounded like that. i literally almost sounded like that right there electric e-l-e-c-t-r-i-c electric and let me tell you what i mean by that electric was uh, a good description of Hernando, Mississippi, all around the square, Oxford, Mississippi, all around the square, definitely around the Grove. Started out Friday night with the light in the Christmas tree, no pun intended there, but I know that went very well, and I actually saw the tree on Saturday night for the first time this season, and it was just beautiful, just absolutely gorgeous. Again, wonderful job by the city uh, getting that put up, just a wonderful, wonderful tree here in, uh, in Hernando for sure. And then, as you mentioned, ice skating. They had a movie on the square. Then on Saturday, numerous clips, numerous things on Instagram, numerous things just showing the, the carriage rides and all that kind of stuff. And then on uh, you know Saturday, I saw you in the Grove or I saw you tailgating. And then uh, if you haven't seen video of the Ole Miss Light Show before they kicked off the game. Oh, uh, eight minutes before. Awesome. What up? Yeah. It's awesome. You know, I, that was something my kids shared it with me and just unbelievable what that looked like. Yeah. Uh, they also broke the world record yep. for the, the most people wearing sunglasses at night. True. It was a fundraiser trying to work in its right. records. But, yeah, Mac Brown, the punter for Ole Miss, has raised over $150,000 for ALS mm-hmm. research and just a wonderful, wonderful job there. But, yeah, they broke the world record, and Ole Miss proceeded to fumble on the next play. So that's good. <laughs> so the lights came back on, and Matt Corral fumbled. So uh, it's kind of a little bit of an Ole Miss moment. Most fans are going to definitely understand what I mean by that. You know, we set a world, world record and come back and fumble the next the play. W-A-O-M. Yeah, but Ole Miss won, so we are good there. Sunday, the Hernando Chamber of Commerce uh, opened house i know it was electric i know a lot of people moving around the square doing a lot of stuff beautiful weather and uh we talk about it all the time on this show for sure i don't know if anybody's going to praise the city of fernando more than we do each and every uh week uh but just a wonderful wonderful time to be alive here in hernando down in oxford i know mississippi state got a big win so a lot of mississippi state folks were having a good time and excited about that so two words from the weekend living is Derek's. electric is mine uh again really really talking about all the wonderful things and events that we had over the weekend i mean Derek, i'm just going to continue both of us to uh, do a little bit more living and a little bit more Wooderson in our lives for sure. Well, let's talk about the Hernando Alderman meeting happening tonight. Had a great time on Saturday night at, at an event. Had a wonderful opportunity to, to see friends at an event that I saw a number of different Aldermen, visited with, uh, about them, some different stuff. Big announcement tonight. Alderman preview tonight. What you got? But in the consent agenda, I do want to say this because this is uh, something pretty exciting both for the uh, parents and for kids to, to hear. It's in the consent agenda. This is in the consent agenda oh, wow, to okay. approve the booking agreement with Santa John and Mrs. Claus for Cookies with Santa on Sunday, December 12th, 2021, and the mayor to sign. 
This is after okay, so so Santa will be here on December fourth at the How to Barbecue Right Shop. That's right. And then a week later he will be back uh December twelfth. Matt, and he's also gonna be Monday night, December sixth, riding on a parade. Oh my gosh, this guy's busy. I mean, look, this is the time of year. I mean, yeah. this is yeah, his it is time, time to of shine. Year. Yes. I mean he's L I V I N. This he, is his month to live. Definitely. December is gonna be his month to live. So again, that is happening. So again, December twelfth, twenty twenty one. I it's a consent agenda, so it is a done deal. Uh but letting you know that that will be announced here or I'm about to What's be announced the, date? the city. What's the date? December twelfth. Okay. Sunday, December 12th, 2021. Got it. Uh, Santa John and Mrs. Claus for Cookies with Santa. Uh, now, uh, getting to the meat of the uh, agenda, the first one is the request for a final plat approval of the Timber Lane subdivision located on the west side of Timber Lane, north of West Robinson Street, west of Highway 51, and east of Elm Street. This is a, there are five lots, uh, 2.5 acre, 2.05 acres that they're dividing up into five lots. So basically, right at about a a third of an acre of lots that they're doing uh, right kind of right next to Northwood Hills, kind of squeezing right there on Timber Lane. Yeah, okay. Runs from Robinson up to Northwood Hills. Okay. Uh, they're putting five lots in there. So, again, that's uh, really putting it in there. But that's in the older section of town. I'm assuming those will be pretty popular. Uh, Bob Barber uh, of Orion Planning and Design uh, will be doing this on behalf of William Davis of Penn Construction. And so that will be uh, coming tonight uh, for uh, – that's the only thing, again, on the planning agenda. Now, right after that, there is a public hearing and action on proposed amendments to the text of the City of Hernando subdivision regulation, the City of Hernando zoning ordinance, and the City of Hernando design standard ordinance concerning the provision and the regulation of cluster mailboxes. It seems, that's a lot of ways to say, it seems that there may be some public comment, some public complaining, some public discussion about the fact that neighborhoods have to go to the cluster mailboxes. And I think, I don't know. I thought know, that was a regulation by the post office, the, the federal post office. That's, that's, that's what they're asking. Yes, okay. That's what they're requiring. So I think that's what the discussion is going to be. Maybe people just want to air their grievances. Maybe it's the city trying to better explain it. Not quite sure. Um, I talked to one of the aldermen, and he wasn't quite sure how it was going to go, which way, if it's going to be the city trying to explain or it's coming. He thinks there have been a couple of complaints, but uh, looking to hear more about that tonight. So see how that goes. The last thing that is of, you know, the most important thing, kind of what you alluded to earlier, was the approval to hire Jared Barkley as the Director of Parks and Recreation at a rate of 65000 Jared comes to us from Oxford, Matt. I was able to find a little bit of his, of his bio. He is currently the Program Director at the Oxford Park Commission. He's been the Program Director since January 2019. Uh, before that, he was just in the Parks Department from December of 2013. So he's been with the Oxford Parks Department for eight years and the Program Director for the last two years. He has been responsible for developing, scheduling, conducting, and supervising a diversified offering of recreation activities for all ages. Uh, before that, um, he was at the he was an adjunct instructor at the University of Mississippi Department of Health, Exercise Science, and Recreation Management. And again, he, he lists several of his um, things that they've done through the Oxford Department. I mean, the, the number they added for youth soccer, for youth softball, et cetera. So he comes to us from Oxford, which we know has a wonderful they do. Uh, parks department with two years of experience uh, actually leading or uh, being the program director of the department. Now, he was not the parks director. He was the program director, uh, but has that experience, been looking to come here to be our parks director, and based on the vote tonight, um, look, you know, that may happen uh, tonight. Again, at $65,000 for his salary, uh, he will be the new parks director for Hernando. I've heard he interviewed very well. I heard he was well represented in the interview. I did a really good job. As you mentioned, Oxford would probably have some of the best parks and uh, best parks and rec department in the northern Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
so, you know, the fact that we may get a number two, th- number three guy from there uh, who wants to be in Hernando and come and be a part of this is really, really exciting. So I'm very excited about it and look forward to uh, meeting and hopefully having uh, Jared on the UTW podcast sometime pretty soon to talk about his vision for the Hernando Parks, why he came here, uh, what he plans to do over the next uh, one to two years. Parks and Recreation is huge in the city of Hernando. I like the idea that he's been the person that's been in charge of scheduling because that, that might be a complaint that a lot of people have about the Parks Department here in Hernando might be sometimes about scheduling that type of stuff. So I'm excited to meet him and uh, and hope he comes in with a blank slate and, and gets after it. Well, that wraps up the Auburn meeting tonight. Again, Derek hopes he didn't jinx a little bit by saying it's only one page long. Thank you to the mayor. Thank you to all the board of aldermen. Uh, thank you to the city attorney. Thank you to the city clerk. Thank you to the people that run the YouTube stream uh, for being transparent and helping us uh, see more about uh, Derek. I, I definitely feel like more people pay attention to at the event I was out on Saturday, I probably had five different people talk to me about something going on city-related. More people paying attention than ever before. I agree, and I actually had two people come up to me during the um, ice skating when I was working on the ice skating thing. One of them knew who I was and, and kind of you know thanked for me for everything, which I appreciated. The other one did not know me from Adam. And when I was asking for her to sign her thing, she recognized my voice and she asked me and she said she really appreciated just being able to keep up with the local events and that we would, uh, you know, hope that we continue to do it. And I told her thank you very much. So that was that meant a lot to me. Well, Derek, let's turn our attention now. Uh, we covered the stuff here in Hernando, but let's turn our attention statewide. Got a couple of things to discuss when it comes to the state of Mississippi. Uh, we'll be brief on the first one. Um, the state of emergency that the governor of Mississippi declared, uh, what, almost two years ago almost? That was, uh, had to be had to be end of March, March. of 2020. Okay, yeah. so roughly 18 months is coming to a close. I'm speaking of COVID, of course. Read to us what the governor's doing when it comes to November 20th. He will be ending the state of emergency for COVID uh, for the state of Mississippi. And that means that any kind of protocols, any kind of you know moving of resources around in and around hospitals, anything that has to do with that, trying to combat the COVID, also trying to get any kind of you know government uh, help uh, federal government help uh, for the virus that will all end uh, as a state of emergency as of November 20th. Uh, the current, obviously, we know that we have trended severely downward. Uh, we know that um, you know that the Delta variant has passed through the South. The South is doing extremely well right now. Again, there are calls that you know there is no other variant at this time, and because of those numbers, the governor is ending the state of the emergency as of November 20th as we head into the holiday season. It is amazing me, Derek, of the South. I mean, like you said, we were in Oxford. We were in the circle tailgating. We went. So many people went to a game with 65,000 people. The South is, is pretty open. They were talking about how the South is doing very well right now, as is certain parts of the Northeast, because the Delta variant has already passed through there. Mm-hmm. Uh, places like the Southwest uh, and the us up near the Great Lakes, it's just now hitting because they had kept mandates uh, in place longer sure. uh, because they had, you know, a lot of that stuff was not able to uh, basically be passed along. They're just now recognizing the Delta variant coming into those communities. And so they're actually spiking upwards. So, you know, what was happening in the South around the September timeframe is now happening in those areas now. So they'll be carrying that into the holiday season. And you can say, well, I'm glad it's already passed through us. You don't want to see any of that happen anywhere, but that's that's what's happening. And so the South is looking you know, good right now uh, based on the numbers, based on deaths, based on um, people being uh, infected. Is there going to be another variant? And what the, the guy was saying, was, I really enjoyed, I mean, whether you're, you know, uh, Democrat or Republican based on this. He did a very good job explaining why certain areas, certain pockets were hot, why some, certain pockets were down. He did say that, you know, he does 
obviously said, look, I, I would uh, suggest you get the booster. We do know that it kind of gets cuts in half pretty quickly. Your effectiveness goes down over, about, I think, two months. After that, you're about 50%. But he said, look, this is going to be here. It's not going anywhere. It's basically going to become a flu shot every year. Don't know if it's going to be mandated like it is right now in some businesses or for the government. But um, going forward, do expect this to be a, hey, we're getting another colder season. You Time to get your flu shot and your COVID shot if, again, that's what you want to do every year. Um, and so be looking for that, you know, starting about this time next year. This is kind of what's going to be the norm going forward, which I think everybody would understand because COVID is COVID. It's a coronavirus, which the flu is. And so they do have uh, vaccines that are 60% effective for the flu every year. That's kind of what's going to be for COVID going forward. So I really appreciated the show, what he was saying. Uh, but also that's kind of why the governor has leaned the way that he did. So on November 20th, the government will let that expire. But on November 15th, so yesterday, he had this have something turned in that's really important. Had to have this turned into the state legislature. Tell us what, it, what I'm talking about. November 15th of every year, the governor has to give to the legislative leaders his budget recommendations for the next year. The Mississippi legislator meets from January to March every year. And of course, it can go into April if they have to keep going because they have something tied up. But usually it's scheduled from January 1st to March 31st. Uh, and he has to have his budget recommendations to them by November 15th so they can have that to send out to start discussing so they can start you know, on the ground of what he wants to see. Now, we mentioned this last year uh, about this time or maybe back in January. We said, hey, look, this can they can literally take this and burn it in a fireplace. Uh, he just has to turn it in or they could say, you know what, these are great ideas. We'll use every one of them. So it can be on any either end of the spectrum. Most likely the legislature is going to do what they think is right. But this is what he's, you know, so we'll kind of read through very quickly what he would like to see, you know, kind of top line numbers for different categories. First, he wants to see increased skills training. He proposes utilizing $130 million of the American Rescue Plan Act funds to bolster, accelerate Mississippi efforts. This is for, you know, kind of people training to be right out of high school, going straight to jobs, not necessarily having to go to college types of training. Trades. Trade, yeah, trade schools, that sort of thing. Fighting back against critical race theory. Uh, Reeves proposes a $3 million investment in the Patriotic Education Fund okay. uh, that was kind of started last year. The next is broadband expansion. He includes $200 million in the American Rescue Plan Act funds for broadband expansion efforts that will assist Mississippians who are currently either not served or underserved by providers. Now, we do know that that was what the money was supposed to be used for. So a lot of this is, you know, Mississippi is getting $6 billion. So we have to remember <laughs> that we got to spend this in some way. And so this is kind of how he's dividing it up. Uh, next Obviously, investing in infrastructure. He recommends the state invest $50 million in capital expense funds toward a site development grant that will be administered by the MDA. He also proposes allocating $100 million of the ARPA, uh, American Rescue Plan Act, I'll say ARPA from now on, toward the implementation of water and sewer grants. And his, his budget proposes $1.2 billion in initiatives that use the remaining ARPA funds. Eliminating the income tax and implementing state budget caps. He proposes allocating $1 billion of excess revenue towards eliminating the state individual income tax. This will completely eliminate the 4% bracket in the fiscal year of 2023. This will also eliminate a significant portion of the 5% bracket starting in calendar year 2023. He proposes only increasing the state general fund budget by no more than 1.5% each fiscal year. So in other words, for the next, you know, basically 10 years, to only you can only go up 1.5%. Now, we don't know how long he's going to be in office. That's what he's proposing. Additionally, 50% of the excess revenue shall go towards the elimination of Mississippi's individual income tax with the goal of eliminating it completely in five years. 
Next, improving education and raising teacher pay. He proposes allocating $71 million for teacher pay raises. This includes an immediate, across-the-board, $1,300 teacher pay raise and is followed by a $1,000 raise per year in fiscal years 2024 and 2025. This much-needed and well-deserved 3300 pay raise will result in Mississippi going from 37th nationally to 21st nationally wow, okay. and fourth in the Southeast. Okay. So literally pulling, putting us from the bottom third, basically, uh, to the top half uh, is what he's proposing if they were to get 3300 over the next three years. Recruiting and empowerment police officers, he's including an additional $5.5 million to the Department of Public Safety to double the size of its capital police force. He also includes an additional $5 million to attract displaced officers to law enforcement positions within Mississippi. How much is the Capitol Police Force? Uh, right now it is – What's he asking for? He's asking for $5.5 million to double the size. Right now there's 150 officers, mm-hmm. so we're going to go to 300 wow. uh, to, uh, for the law enforcement efforts in Jackson. Uh, for downtown revitalization, he proposes $50 million in ARPA funds for the downtown revitalization projects across the state. For tourism – he proposes $52 million of the ARPA funds over four years to MDA for additional tourism investment. And for the correction system improvements, this is obviously for jails and that such, he, he looks to adding employees to two correctional facilities across the state and also shifting $20.2 million from the private prison accounts to both of these funds' facilities. So that's something else he's looking to do, trying to take from private, adding to uh, public, excuse me, correctional facilities across the state. So again, his proposed state final budget, $6.492 billion, a decrease of 1.7% from fiscal year 2022. Total spending included one-time funds and federal dollars coming into the state shown in the EBR is over $8 billion. So there will be some one-time funding on top of his budget of $6.492 billion. And uh, again, that's the highlights of what he has now sent to the legislative leaders, which they will look at and may be taken into consideration when they meet starting January 1st. Simply asking, because I, 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 for some reason I, I've forgotten, when does the when's the governor's race for the state of Mississippi? 24? It'll be, uh, be 2024. Be, be right. 24? Okay, gotcha. I, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Uh, Tate Reeves was his second term currently? Yes. Yeah, so he can have two terms, and, and then in the state of Mississippi, uh, you can only run two terms. Yeah, just, yeah, just like the president. Yeah, if you have two four-year terms, and then you're, that you're over. Gotcha. And like you said, I mean uh, – he, this is something he has to do. He has to present it uh, by November fifteenth, and uh, looks like he was taking into account a, a good bit of you know one time funds and, and working on that. So just um, you know, wow, six point five, basically almost six point five billion dollars, yeah. but down one point seven percent compared to last year. That's right. But again, there will be one time sure. funds that sure. we have to spend. Now, the with the ARPA funds, they do have longer to spend it. So you may see, you know, I said it's a total of around six billion, but they may may only spend one to one and a half billion a year over the next five years or something like that to try to spend that so i would you know again they could spend all six billion next year if they wanted to but i you know i would venture to say that they're probably gonna split this up over a five-year time period well derek speaking of definitely getting your money's worth and not spending a fortune when it comes to the health of your teeth i'm speaking about the soto family dental care DeSoto Family Dental Care has been a presence under the water tower with over 60 years of combined dental experience. Dr. Seymour, Paroli, and Trotter are committed to providing a gentle and caring approach while focusing on the aesthetic beauty and long-lasting health of your smile. An in-house lab allows your dentist to be fully involved in the lab process and the end result. The practice is open Monday through Friday, providing hygiene appointments, general dentistry, implants, implant-supported dentures, and now Invisalign. 
DFDC makes use of modern technology such as digital scanning, digital x-rays, intra-oil cameras, and autoclave sterilization. You can be confident that the goal of each staff member is to create a comfortable environment to provide you with a relaxing, personalized dental care. Visit their office today to see the DFDC difference or give them a call at 429-5239. That's 429-5239. They are the official dentist of the UTW podcast and you should consider making them yours. The Soto Family Dental Care, again, 429-5239. Since 2001, Green King Spray Services has been helping home and business owners enjoy lush, healthy, weed-free outdoor living spaces. They refuse to settle for the status quo, continuously researching and testing the very latest methods, products, and strategies to ensure your lawn looks better than the other guys. With technicians trained and educated, with hours of continuing education and seminars each year, Green King is committed to doing everything they can to make and keep you satisfied. You can reach them at 662-892-8419, again 662-892-8419, or visit them on their website at greenkingspray.com. Remember, if you want it green, call the king. I got a text mid-morning last Friday after we had played, uh, for many of the UTW podcast listeners, uh, recognized the music we played was certainly for the Army to uh, start our show. Got a really early text just saying, hey, thank you for that, choosing that song uh, to play before uh, we kicked off our last show. So, And that text came from a veteran, Mr. Richard Williams, who we gave that shout-out to last week. If you uh, haven't heard the show, uh, definitely gave Richard a shout-out. Richard continues to support the UTW podcast with his company, Williams Services. William Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. Now's a perfect time to call Richard about leaf removal, tree trimming, fall cleanups, gate repair, fence repair, new fence construction, any project on the outside of your home from pressure washing, anything. Give Richard and his team a call at 662-292-8855. That's 292-8855. Or find more information on Facebook about Williams Services at Williams Lawn Services. That's Williams Lawn Services on Facebook. Thank you, Richard, for continuing to be a UTW sponsor. Middle of our Tuesday show always consists of the DeSoto County Fact of the Week brought to us by the DeSoto County Museum located across from the Bancorp South on Commerce Street. They're open from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Tuesday through Saturday. I know they were a huge part of the Dickens of a Christmas this past weekend. Just a very, very awesome, vital part of the Hernando community. I'm speaking again of the DeSoto County Museum, 9 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday. Derek, this week's DeSoto County Fact of the Week is about uh, something that's kind of really got more and more popular over the last several years uh we talked a little bit about earlier about maybe some government you know reach and that type stuff Mm -hmm. so what we're going to talk about in desoto county fact of the week has become more popular tell us about it matt the desoto county fact of the week is about basically uh old school homeschooling okay old school homeschooling. og right the og hernando has always been a community that celebrates the arts and the commitment was carried down through generations and through families in a news item from 1882, more than about 140 years ago, Mrs. Lim D. Cook reopened a private school in her home to foster the arts. So the article reads, on August 17, 1882, Mrs. Lim D. Cook will reopen a private school at her residence the first Monday in September. Latin, French, and music would be taught in the school, and the services of a competent teacher will be secured for those desiring to take lessons in painting and drawing. A limited number of girls will be received as boarders. 
for terms apply to the current to the principal at that time. So again, this is a basically a homeschool boarding school type thing that was open in Hernando that was going to be open the first Monday in September, which of course now we know is Labor Day. Right. Uh, the first Monday in September, this was uh, came to pass two weeks before on August seventeenth, eighteen eighty two. And uh, you know, Rob sent me this and said, want to make sure that he that we understood that the Cook families and the Intrican families in Hernando were patrons of the arts through the decades of at least three different centuries. Mm. The library in Hernando benefited from the descent from an uh, Intrican descendant. Elizabeth Intrican donated a lot of the money, uh, a lot of her money, to the uh, first regional library here in Hernando. And the arts programs are a direct result of her generosity. In an age where homeschooling is making a comeback, people like Mrs. Lim D. Cook led the way. So she's talking about, okay, so it's not, you, you maybe didn't teach inside your home, but she offer, uh, she was offering a, a different plan in her home. That's right. That's correct. So yeah, so it was kind of like a, it wasn't a school setting. It was basically you come, kind of drop them off, maybe like a semi daycare slash school gotcha. okay. slash whatever, but um, but it was her teaching at her home. It was not a, a designated area. And you know, one of the great things is that she was actually educating girls, sure. which at the time was not always accepted, not always done. So uh, just something that was wonderful going home in 1882 in Hernando. Can you imagine showing up to daycare and they say, all right, guys, let's talk about Latin. Yeah, French. Latin. French, Latin. I mean, that would suck. It's like, man, I'm here for the cookies, man. I'm here for the cookies. He's in the snack. What are you talking about? Recess. Rob Long, thank you so much for your continued support uh, with the DeSoto County Fact of the Week. Again, 9 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday, DeSoto County Museum, located on Commerce Street, across the street from Bancorp South. Thank you, Rob, for continuing to support us and be a part of the UTW Podcast. Speaking of working with the UTW Podcast, for a long time now, well over a year, Mr. Sam Lauderdale with Lauderdale Insurance Agency, your local state farm provider. They are located at 11 West Commerce Street, directly across from the Hernando Post office. Lauderdale Insurance is owned and operated by Sam Lauderdale, former alderman and longtime local resident of Hernando. His team specializes in insurance for life, auto, home, or your business. Mr. Sam encourages you to compare coverage, service, and price, but feels very confident Lauderdale Insurance Agency should be your insurance provider. Please call Sam Angie, Sherry, or Jennifer at 429-5213. That's 429-5213. Or find more information on Facebook at Lauderdale Insurance Agency. Thank you again, Mr. Sam and your team, for being a UTW sponsor. The secret is out. North Point Christian is DeSoto County's most popular private school destination. 211 new students made the switch and became part of the North Point family this year, pushing their enrollment to record levels. North Point will be hosting their next open house Tuesday, December 7th at 6 p.m. Again, Tuesday, December 7th at 6 p.m. They encourage prospective families to come and see why families in three states, 28 cities, and 41 zip codes have made North Point DeSoto County's largest and most desirable Christ-centered college preparatory school. Interested families should reserve their spot today by contacting Director of Admissions, Ms. Sheila Sharon, at 662-349-5127. Again, 662-349-5127. They invite you to get ready to make the switch and join the North Point family. Derek, let's stay on the North Point theme for just one more second. A really, really big deal. Anytime somebody signs a scholarship or signs an opportunity to play at Ole Miss or Mississippi State when it comes to baseball, that is a big deal, and that's exactly what happened for a North Point Trojan. Tell us about it. James White, pitcher infielder for the Trojans, signed to play baseball at Ole Miss next year. This is the first SEC baseball signing in school history. 
it's tough. That's, that's a t- tough deal. Again, North Point small school, small private school, but uh, James is an exceptional athlete, uh, especially on the baseball diamond. Uh, he is part of the number four recruiting class that Ole Miss signs this year. And I, to be honest, being an Ole Miss fan, I cannot wait to see what he does uh, on the diamond starting next year. SEC baseball, Derek, is just extremely, extremely tough. So congratulations to James for getting an opportunity to go down to Oxford and, and be a part of the uh, program down there. So definitely congratulate him. Had a few other signings uh, that happened. Actually, one of them in particular that we'll start with happened last week, and we missed it uh, on Friday. But we definitely want to bring attention to this young lady. The next two are actually friends of the podcast because they've been on our show. Derek, tell us what you got right here on the water tower riley eister signs a four-year scholarship to mcneese state uh riley eister of course um you know again great senior uh ball player for hernando and also another great senior player ali callahan ali callahan signed a four-year scholarship to the university of central arkansas uh, as you mentioned matt both of these ladies are friends of the utw podcast and we look forward to following them over the next four years after we hope we maybe celebrate back-to-back coming up this spring. They're the official softball team. Last year's team was the official softball team of the UTW podcast, and uh, I look forward to this season as well. Um, it could be a back-to-back situation. Some uh, really, like, really good look, players. you got most everybody coming right, back. Right, most everybody <laughs> coming back. Some really, really good, talented players. Only lose three seniors off of last year's state champion team. So we will definitely uh, look forward to that. Congratulations to Riley. Congratulations to Allie. Again, both have been on our show. Very, very nice young ladies. Uh, Ms. Callahan lives right down the street from us. We want to say congratulations to this, these uh, two young ladies for having an opportunity to move on with their careers, uh, and, and we just can't wait to hear more about it. Let's move over. Three more outstanding young ladies had an opportunity. Different kind of ball that they're working with, Derek. Tell us about three lady Patriots with the Lewisburg volleyball team. They're going to keep moving on. What you got? They are three senior players from the Lewisburg volleyball team, all signed to play Juco ball together. Amelia Perkins, Macy Woods, and Kelly Reichard all signed to play with Northwest Community College to further their playing careers and education. Now, Matt, they did give a little stats with their press release. Uh, Riker was named DeSoto County MVP. She led the Lady Patriots with 307 kills and had 234 digs last year. Woods had 48 aces and 198 digs, and Perkins had 153 digs and 31 aces. Uh, so, again, they had a, a great year last year, made it, I believe, with the first round of the playoffs. Uh, were a very tough year. I think they came in second uh, in the district. Uh, just had a, uh, but a great year um, and have most of the players coming back. Again, all these. Now, remember, everybody's signing. We're saying signing. They're still seniors. They still have uh, another season in high school to play. Correct. Uh, so, James will still be pitching, dominating competition. Uh, you'll have, the, of course, Hernandez softball looking for a, a, a repeat. Uh, and then Lewisburg volleyball, just you know, a strong class of senior girls coming back uh, to play this year, you know, to hopefully maybe – Maybe overtake DeSoto Central. We'll see what happens. Uh, but, again, uh, looking forward to that. So, again, just congratulations to all three of them being able to play together for another at least two years uh, at Northwest. I think volleyball in the state, the JUCO ranks, has really begun to pick up steam mm-hmm. when it comes to women's volleyball right here in the state of Mississippi, JUCO. So, it's not surprising Northwest, and you'll start to see more signs with Northeast and that type of stuff. Wonderful, wonderful volleyball in DeSoto County. Congratulations to all those young people that we just spoke of. Uh, really, really want to give a shout-out from the UTW podcast. Well, Derek, Eric, I mentioned a second ago that uh, Three Lady Patriots would be moving on. Um, well, moving on does not does not uh, pertain to the Hernando Tigers, which wrapped up the 2021 football season this past Friday. By a um, They played pretty well for a little while, yep. but it got out of hand the second half against the Startville Yellow Jackets. Tell us all about it. Yeah, the Hernando fans traveled well to Startville last Friday night to watch the Tigers battle the Yellow Jackets in the first round of the 6A playoffs on Friday night. 
Matt, for the first half, it was a game. Topher Jones started the scoring, punching a run in and getting the Tigers on the board first, making the score 7 to nothing. Starkville then scored back-to-back touchdowns to take a 14-7 lead before Hernando scored to tie it up 14-14 with 7.23 left to go in the first half. The Yellow Jackets then had a long touchdown run followed by another TD scored after Hernando fumble to take a 28-14 lead, but then Zach Wilkie had a great TD run to pull within 28-21 at halftime, and that would be as close as the Tigers would get. Uh, as they would not score in the second half. The Starkville defense took over, and the offensive floodgates opened, ending with Starkville having over 600 yards of offense, 475 of it on the ground, and yielding a final score of 63-21. to This ended what was a growing season for the Tigers, led by Wilkie, but also seeing several younger players starting to mature and grow and showing a bright future for the Tigers. We want to, from the UTW podcast, we want to say congratulations to the Tigers on back-to-back playoff berths and for fighting back to earn that last playoff spot right there at the end of the season. We want to thank all the seniors for what you have given over the last four years and cannot wait to cover the younger guys over the next four. Congratulations again, and thank you for representing our town as well as you could. Absolutely. My daughter is a senior at Hernando High School. Really, really proud of the young men that uh, back-to-back playoffs is, is good for any community. Yeah. So definitely, definitely want to give them a shout-out for sure. Uh, we told you on our Friday show that Startville was going to be a tough – I mean, we may be staring at – we may have lost to the state title holder. We don't know. but uh, I think that you – know, right now it's looking at Oxford and Startville playing right. that north half final. It's going to be an a interesting game. Absolutely. Going to be an interesting game. Really, really good job on the season, guys. Keep your heads up. And, again, we want to definitely give a shout-out to number 11, Zach Wilkie, the leader of the Hernando Tigers now for, I think he was a three-year starter. So Mm -hmm. uh, congratulations to him on having committed to Southern Miss and look forward to uh, wonderful things from him. Well, look, if you enjoy our show, we talk about young people, we give facts of the week, we talk about Board of Aldermen. If you enjoy our show each and every Tuesday and Friday, find us on Facebook at UTW Podcast, Instagram, UTW Podcast, and on Twitter at UTW Pod. If you enjoy our show, share it. Share it on Facebook. Share it with friends. Send it out to your neighbors. Let them know about the UTW podcast uh, as we continue to shine, hopefully, positive, good light on the different things going on right here under the water tower. If you enjoy our show, look up OB Pod. Simply stands for Olive Branch. They cover the eastern side of DeSoto County, Center Hill, Lewisburg, and Olive Branch. Those three high schools, they visit and talk about football, basketball, baseball for those three uh, communities. So definitely look up OB Pod. Just a simple program reminder, we will be releasing a Tuesday show. Next Tuesday, we'll release our normal show, and then Derek and I are going to take off for Thanksgiving the rest of the week. But a special guest will be with us for his about every three-month interview that we're trying to do. That's Mayor Chip Johnson. If you have any questions when it comes to the mayor interview, please Go ahead and email those to us as soon as you can. We will be sitting down with him the middle of this week, so not a lot of time. If you're listening to our show on Tuesday, get right to it. Under the water tower info at gmail.com. That's under the water tower info at gmail.com. Send us in the questions. Obviously, we, we take a look at them and try and build a show around those questions with the mayor. So we really appreciate uh, getting fan input when it comes to that. And hey Matt, we've already had a couple of questions. One of them, of course, talking about asking about the new planning director. Sure. I kind of want to see what his visions with her are going 
going to be kind of going forward. Uh, also, especially around the growth question. So, kind of, you okay. know, that was how the, the question was framed. The other thing people were asking about uh, who they were going to hire for the new parks director, and we, we may know that answer tonight. So, <laughs> again, uh, I will still, if so, if that has done tonight, then we will uh, probably kind of rephrase that question a little bit. Uh, so, I don't want that person to think I'm dodging that question. Rephrase it a little bit to start talking about what do you expect from the new parks director. But again, keep coming those in. I'll uh, be sitting down with him uh, Wednesday morning. So, uh, you know, again, if you're hearing this on Tuesday at lunchtime, really start working on getting it to there tonight. I'd like to have a good, you know, 15, 20 questions to be able to ask him. Under the water tower info at gmail.com. So please send that information in. We really appreciate, again, a quarterly sit down with the mayor, Chip Johnson, so he can answer your questions right here on the UTW podcast. Well, Derek, if there's nothing else, I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower. You can see it. It's electric. You've got to feel it. It's electric. Ooh, it's shocking. It's electric.